0: Hey, Woodlands Church, we're concluding the series Family Camp um, that we've been in. We've sort of been camping out over the last several weeks on the subject of how to build true connection with the people closest to you. And if you're gonna build anything in this life that's going to last, it has to begin with a solid foundation. I mean, can you imagine a home builder saying to you, hey, I think we can save you a whole lot of money if you let us build your house without a foundation. We can start right away with the framing I mean, the foundation is not very important. We'll save you a ton of money if we build this house without a foundation. That'd be ridiculous. But it seems when it comes to our closest relationships, we forget the only way to build anything that's going to last is you have to have a solid foundation. So what is the foundation for a strong family? What is the foundation for a lasting love relationship? Proverbs 24, three tells us, homes are built on the foundation of wisdom and understanding. So if you wanna turn your house into a home, if you wanna build a close family, if you wanna build a marriage that lasts, if you wanna build a business that lasts, the Bible says it takes a foundation of wisdom. So I want you to turn to James chapter three because in the book of James chapter three, It tells us what wisdom is, and what wisdom isn't, and how to build your relationships on the foundation of wisdom, and keep building with wisdom. And so would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodlands Church, and just follow along with me. I'm gonna read James chapter three, beginning with verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Dear God, I thank you for what you're gonna do today. Lord, I know that what we're talking about today from your word is relationship changing and how our relationships need this so desperately. Lord, there's so many unwise actions and decisions and choices made in relationships today. They just tear them apart. And I thank you that you've given us right here your wisdom that goes against, Lord, what we naturally wanna do, our natural reactions as human beings, but Lord, it goes so into building deep and lasting relationships. So I pray that you would open our hearts. I pray for everyone within the sound of my voice that you would just help us really hear this message and not just hear it, but Lord, really put it into our lives that we can look back on this day, years from now, and say that was the day that things started turning around in my marriage. That's the day things started turning around in my family. That's the day things started turning around in my friendships. That's the day that I started putting into practice real wisdom in my relationships. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated, and in this passage, James tells us that wisdom is such a powerful thing in building relationships. It's the only foundation you can build a relationship on if you want it to last. And he tells us here what wisdom is and how it differs from human wisdom. See, wisdom that comes from heaven is God's wisdom. Wisdom that comes from earth is human wisdom. And James tells us human wisdom is really our natural reactions in relationships. It's our natural way of relating, and it's destructive. Uh, but God's wisdom is our supernatural reactions in relationships and it only comes from God's power. And James makes it really clear that God's wisdom builds healthy relationships that last while human wisdom tears apart relationships. That is, if I'm unwise towards my wife, it causes problems. If I'm unwise toward my children, it causes problems. If I'm unwise toward the people I work with, it causes problems. And most of the relationship problems in our culture today are caused by unwise choices and actions. Now in James 3.17, the verse we're really gonna focus on today, it makes it really clear that wisdom is a lifestyle. It's not so much about what you know, it's about your actions that come out of your values. It's not so much about your intellect, it's about your character and your choices. It's the way that you relate to people. And so in James 3.17, it says there's six character Choices that we have to make each and every day to build a foundation of wisdom and keep building on wisdom in our relationships. And it's all found in this one verse. Now I told you when we started the series that most people when they go into a marriage relationship think everything is perfect. When they start a family, everything is perfect. And then a few years down the road, after a lot of mistakes and pain and hurt, they think everything went wrong. That it started perfect, they were so in love. And a few years later, it turned bad. I mean, it starts perfect, and then it goes bad over time, and that's a completely wrong interpretation of how marriage starts out. And and I told you that marriage never starts perfect because it involves two very imperfect, very flawed people coming together to share everything. And so you're more of a mess than you can ever imagine, and your spouse is more of a mess than they can ever imagine, and you put that together, and so it starts out Definitely not perfect. So it doesn't start perfect and then go bad over time. It starts a mess. That's the way it starts, and if you realize that, then you have a chance with God's power. Now, the other day I was looking through our garage and we were organizing a little bit and I found this big box of Legos. And Before you see, when my kids were growing up, they all liked Legos and they would collect Legos and this was a big box of all the extra Legos You know that weren't in any particular set, or maybe after they put together a particular set, like a Star Wars, Death Star, or Millennium Falcon, they had four or five pieces left over, and it would go into that box. It's like, I don't know where those pieces go, and they'd throw it in the box, and the box just kept collecting Legos over time, and we called it our box of misfit pieces. It was just all these different random pieces, and you know, wheels, and you know, blocks and all these things, Legos, and it filled up. It was a huge box of Legos, and our kids, when they were growing up, started playing with the Legos in the box, and they enjoyed the box of misfit pieces more than they enjoyed those sets that you can buy because they could be more creative and build whatever they want, and they would really get into it and build these huge things, you know, and then they'd tear it apart and throw it back in the box. Now, I have up here some Legos, these are the Duplos, the bigger ones so that you can see them. And so let's go back to marriage and starting families that when you come into the marriage relationship, we all bring a big box of misfit and broken pieces to the relationship. We try to hide it at first, and in marriage you can't hide it for very long. Eventually, all the broken pieces fall out on the table. You can hide it in other relationships for a lot longer, but eventually, the real you comes out in the marriage relationship and all the broken pieces are all out there and all the brokenness and the mistakes and the flaws and the mess is revealed. And so what you really need to do to have a good perspective is right before you get married, just come together and just dump all the pieces, just dump all the pieces out on the table where you both just dump all the brokenness out on the table. You just reveal it all and you just admit it all and then you look at it and you realize what a mess you both are. And then you make a choice. You choose one piece at a time together with God's power to build something beautiful out of it. And so for those of you who are getting married, Maybe you just got married. Take a look, this is you, okay? You get a good picture, this is you, except you're more of a mess than this. And think about it for a moment. And then make a commitment that you're both going to reveal your struggles and your hurts and your flaws and sins and faults, but then you're gonna choose every day with God's power to do the work that it takes to build something beautiful. Some of you have been married a long time and you realize this, maybe after three or four years of marriage, and you realize this, that it was a mess. And so you started building something beautiful and 25 years later, 30 years later, 50 years later, you built something beautiful, a beautiful palace of love. Because God loves to work miracles in the middle of our messes. But we have to admit the mess. We have to admit it and where we are and then we can choose to build something beautiful. You see, some of you, when you, First got married, you thought you had a palace. But no, it was this, it was just a mess. Just the honeymoon stage covered up the reality, and then a few years later you thought, we're just a mess, what happened? No, you were always a mess. You realize that? You start building something beautiful, and here's the thing. You build with one wise action at a time. One wise action at a time, build something beautiful, and it takes time. That's why it takes time to build something beautiful in a marriage relationship. And so every wise action builds, but every unwise action tears down, and I have to be honest, our unwise actions and choices in our closest relationships tear down a lot of blocks. But you can only build with one block at a time, over time, one block at a time, being consistent with wise actions. Now here's the really cool thing. This passage. If I'm not going to trip over these Legos, the crazy thing is I saw an eyeball just drop out. You know, and if we look at James 3:17, we see there are six character choices, six building blocks that we build with to build lasting love relationships. And it's those choices we make each and every day to have wise actions or unwise actions. And so I want us to look at them. First, if I'm wise. I won't compromise my integrity, I'll live in truth. I'll live in truth. Look at James 3, 17, it says, the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all, pure. So that's the first thing. He's talking here about integrity. He says the wisdom from heaven is first of all, pure. Now what if I said to you, I have some pure spring water, it's 95% pure, now it's 5% sewage, but it's 95% pure, you'd say, there's no such thing, it's 95% pure. It's gotta be 100% or it's not pure at all, and that's the way integrity is. Integrity just means that you integrate your life together as a whole. The opposite of integrity is compartmentalizing your life, that you act one way with your church friends and one way with your work friends, that you compartmentalize your life. Now, I have to say that most of us guys are really good at compartmentalizing, and one of the reasons is God made us that way so that we could fight these great battles You know, sometimes and you got a lot of things going on and and you got all these distractions, but you got to get out there and you got to fight. You got to put the armor on. You get beat up in this life. And so a lot of us guys are really good at compartmentalizing and just really focusing in, just eliminating all the distractions and really get into it. But it becomes a terrible problem. It's an asset and a great thing at times, but it becomes devastating in relationships when you take a secret sin and you compartmentalize it and then you're able to operate in every area of your life just fine, but you got this secret sin over here, and it's all compartmentalized off, and that's called a lack of integrity, and so what God wants to do is just tear down all the walls and the compartments and integrate your life as a whole, so that it's not 95%, 5% sewage over here, you know? That what you see is what you get, that we're, all the walls are torn down, And we just say, God, this is the way it is. I need your healing and I need your wholeness. And so integrity in life means you make wise choices with the truth. If I'm wise, I'm not gonna lie to you. If I'm wise, I'm not gonna cheat you. If I'm wise, I'm not gonna try to take advantage of you. If I'm wise, I'm not going to intentionally mislead you. Now why is this one the very first one? Because all relationships are built on trust. You cannot build a relationship close and deep that lasts without trust, and you can't have trust without truth. When you're unwise and you lie to your spouse, you destroy truth. Now you can build truth back. You can build that trust back, but the only way you do it is by telling the truth every day. Every time you have an opportunity, you tell the truth, the whole truth. Nothing but the truth, so help you God. You tell the truth. You tell the truth and it takes time to build that trust back, but the only way is you gotta tell the whole truth, not shade the truth, not tell partial truths, not exaggerate, tell the truth over and over and over again. Now I have to say that when you betray trust by lying, it destroys a lot of blocks, and you've gotta realize that, and the pain of realizing, wow, we were building something really good, and look what I've done, and then you can choose every day, one block at a time. You can build trust back, but it's every day, one block at a time, one block at a time, by telling the truth, the whole truth, constantly. And if you are unwise, and you don't keep your word with your kids, you break a promise, it destroys trust. Now you can build that trust back, but it'll take one block at a time, telling the truth and keeping your promises at all costs, even when it hurts, all the time, every day, building it back. And you build that trust back. Proverbs ten nine says, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. So if I'm wise, I'll live in the truth and I won't compromise my integrity. But here's the problem. Our natural reaction is to lie, to lie to protect yourself, to lie, oh, don't wanna hurt that other person, to lie, oh, we come up with a million different reasons to lie when God says, You just tell the truth. We say, well, if I tell the truth, I'll just destroy so much. But really, it's the only way you can build. Otherwise, it's not real. And so, you got to tell the truth. The problem is, human beings are just liars. We're just liars, you know? Leonard Keeler, who invented the lie detector test, he, after interviewing 25,000 people and testing them on the lie detector, determined something so brilliant. Human beings are liars. Everybody lies, and that's why our relationships are being destroyed, and so we have to walk into the light and walk into the truth, because yes, it's painful to tell the truth, but it's so much more devastating to betray trust and destroy trust. Well, if I'm wise, I'll walk in integrity. I'll live in the truth, and then secondly, and these build on each other. If I'm wise, I won't fight to win. I'll fight to connect. James 3.17 again says, the wisdom that comes from heaven is peace-loving. Underline that phrase, peace-loving. Wise people work on building harmony in their closest relationships. Peace-loving. Now, peace-loving doesn't mean you never argue, you never have conflict. Peace-loving doesn't mean that you never fight. It just means you never fight to win. You fight to have a closer relationship. See, wise people know that you don't, argue and fight to win an argument you fight to bring closer connection because you can win the argument and lose the relationship and it happens all the time you see it's just human reaction and human wisdom that when i'm in a conflict i want to win i want to prove that my argument is the best i want to win that argument i want to win that conflict i want to win that fight but in a close relationship you're trying to build the relationship you're not trying to win The fight, see it all the time, where people win the fight and lose the relationship. And so you fight for connection. How do you do that? Well, Chris and I have talked about this a lot. The first way you fight for connection is you stay at the table. When you're having conflict, you stay at the table. I say this because my natural unwise tendency is to take my blocks and go home. You know, we get into a conflict and Chris starts expressing emotions. I just want to leave the table. I want to take my blocks and go home and one of the reasons is she's so smart and so quick-witted that she always beats me in an argument. Don't tell her I said that. She's not at this service. So I can be real honest with you here. And so I get out because she's going to whoop me, you know. I'll never admit that to her, but um but another reason is it's just that I'm afraid to express my emotions, and so usually in a marriage relationship, one expresses freely their emotions, and then the other wants to stuff down their emotions, and so I wanna take my blocks and go. I wanna avoid conflict. I wanna get out, and and because she cares about the relationship, she wants to talk about it. She wants to express those emotions, and so we get in conflict, and what I've learned, and what she has learned, is we stay at the table. We stay at the table, and it's changed everything. You stay at the table, and here's what I've realized, that when you tell the truth, your real feelings, and your faults, and your fears, and it starts coming out the real truth, then you're gonna have conflict, but that's the way God designed it, because when you start having conflict, that's the bridge that takes you to intimacy. It, without truth, you won't have any conflict. If you never have conflict in a close relationship, it means somebody doesn't care about the relationship, or somebody's lying, or both. Well, when you start sharing truth, you will have conflict. It will be messy, but it's that conflict is it's the only way that you can. It's the tunnel of conflict that leads you to intimacy. And the greatest breakthroughs in our marriage have come through our greatest conflicts. Our, the closeness and the most amazing things that God has done in our marriage relationship have always come through conflict. But it always means staying at the table, not leaving the table like I used to do, but we stay at the table, it gets messy, and we work it out. We stay at the table, it doesn't matter how long, and we come to this place where we feel so close by staying at the table, just staying at the table. And the amazing thing is, we build something, at the end of it, we look and say, wow, we're closer than ever before. God's done a miracle in this mess of conflict to build something so amazing out of it. And it seemed like it was gonna be so destructive. The most destructive things that Satan wants to use in your marriage relationship and family to tear you apart are the very things that God can use to bring about your greatest breakthroughs. But we have to see it. And so we fight for connection. Another way you fight for connection is through your words. Whoever said sticks and stones will break my bones but words will never hurt me was an idiot because words hurt. Words crush. Some of you still remember words that some kid said to you on the playground in grade school 30, 40 years ago because words hurt. And so Proverbs eighteen twenty one says words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit, you choose. So every day you have to choose. When you're in conflict to stay at the table and to use words that bring connection. Now it's gonna be messy. You're gonna be mad because you care and you're not gonna do it perfectly, but some words are poison and they're off limits. They destroy. What do I mean? You to write these down. Words that are comparing kind of words. When you compare, like I wish you were more like her husband. That's poison, you know? I wish you were more like my mom. That's death, okay? That's poison pill. That's the death sentence. You should be executed on the spot. Okay? You're you're dumb. That's not just unwise. That's just dumb. Okay? Comparison. And then there's condemning. Condemning is when you say, you never, you always, you should. I mean, that's not true anyway, because, you know, even if they, 99% of the time, do something wrong, you know, 1% of the time, they do something right, so... It, you should never say, you always or you never. It's just not right. And it's condemning. Or you should do this or you make me do that. You're starting out with an attack and that's always going to destroy. So you start out with your feelings. You always start out with, I feel hurt when you do that. I feel so frustrated when you do that. Man, it makes me feel so insecure when you do that. And so, You start out with your feelings and you can get to that deeper place. still messy, it's still awful, but it becomes awesome when God takes hold of it and you stay at the table. And then threats, the third words that are off limits, they're poison. Some people, right when they get into an argument in their marriage, the first thing they go to is the D word, divorce, and threat. It's off limits. It's punching below the belt, that's off limits. You're committed to each other, you're committed to stay at the table, you're committed to working it out. And then, let's look at the third thing. These all flow together. If I'm wise, I won't dismiss your feelings, I'll value your feelings. The next part of James three seventeen, all in this one verse, the wisdom that comes from heaven is considerate. Underline the word considerate, because considerate just means that you're mindful of other people's feelings. And one of the biggest mistakes I made with Chris was dismissing her feelings so many times, because in my unwise logic, I thought, If she feels this way but I don't feel this way, then she's wrong and she shouldn't feel this way. But feelings aren't right and wrong, they're just feelings. It's not right and wrong. And the wise person won't dismiss another's feelings, they'll seek to understand why they feel that way. Instead of saying, well I don't feel that way, so you shouldn't feel that way. Never say you shouldn't feel that way. That's destructive. I did it all the time, you shouldn't feel that way because I don't feel that way, that's not right, you're wrong. No, feelings aren't right and wrong. Some of you in this auditorium right now, or in our Tasca Seat auditorium, or our North Point auditorium, feel cold right now, and others of you are feeling hot right now. And it has nothing to do with right or wrong, it's just your body temperature. Our body temperatures are all different, and so it's not right or wrong, it's just the way you feel. So it's not right or wrong, you're just trying to understand their feelings. Their feelings are their feelings. Now, there is right and wrong, and there is one truth, and it's God's truth It always bothers me when people today say, well, I'm just living my truth. I'm living my truth. You know, when people say that to me, I'll go, i want to punch you in the face because that's my truth. I'm gonna live out my truth. I mean, it's really dumb, I'm living my truth. No, there's just one truth, and it's God's truth. But it's not about our feelings. That, that's not, we're, not what he's talking about. Our, Our feelings are just our feelings. Now, sometimes you have to choose against your feelings to follow God's truth, but the only way that you can get close in a relationship is share your true feelings, whatever they are, good, bad, and ugly, and then you seek to understand each other and why you feel that way. That's the only way. It's wise to try to understand and be understanding of someone else's feelings. It's unwise and tears down when you say you shouldn't feel that way. Well, the fourth thing, if I'm wise, I won't be stubborn. I'll be constantly growing. Again, in this one verse, James 3, 17, the wisdom that comes from heaven is submissive. Underline the word submissive. The Greek word here for submissive literally means not stubborn, but reasonable. So are you reasonable with your spouse? You know, can your kids reason with you? Can your spouse reason with you? Do you get really defensive when your mistakes are pointed out? Do you seek to change and grow or are you always just staying the same? And you never admit that you need to grow or change. When you stop growing personally in a marriage relationship, the marriage starts growing apart because marriages never stand still. You have to understand that people are dynamic. We're always changing. Relationships are dynamic. They're not static. They're always changing. Right now, for those of you who are married, your marriage is either growing a little bit closer or it's growing a little bit further apart. Every day, that's the way it works. And so if you don't change and grow, you will grow apart. Now sometimes one is growing and changing and it really scares and freaks out the other one. And that's a little bit of God trying to push you out of your comfort zone because many times God has shoved me out of my comfort zone into my calling. Sometimes God has to shove you out of your comfort zone to get you to change and grow. We want to be comfortable. He says in 1 John 4:18, there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. The reason why it's so hard to change is we're afraid. We're afraid of change. We're afraid of making changes. It feels awkward and we're out of our comfort zone. But to love God, you've got to risk changing. God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. He's going to shove you out of your comfort zone many times. And it doesn't feel good, but it produces great good. It's growth and change. And so I don't want to be the same as I was last year. Yeah, I don't want to deal with the same character flaws. I want to change. There's some areas in my life, big areas, I need to change in. Every year, when it comes to my leadership here at church, I always, before we start staff meetings and kicking off the new year, I always look and say, okay, God, what are the big areas I need to change in my leadership this year? Because I know I need to make changes. If you're, if you stop learning, you stop leading. And if you stop changing and you stop growing, then everyone around you can't really grow or change the way they need to. And so we've gotta start with ourselves and change. To love others, you gotta risk changing. You know, you're not the same person you were when you first got married. If you've been married for a couple of years, You're married to a completely different person. Yeah, and you're a completely different person because you're always changing. You're always changing, and so you gotta change together and grow together to stay together and be willing to do that. It's one block at a time, being willing to change. But then there's a fifth thing. If I'm wise, I won't hold on to hurts, I'll choose forgiveness i live in forgiveness. In James three seventeen, it says the wisdom that comes from God is full of mercy and good fruit. Underline that phrase, full of mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is giving people what they need, not what they deserve. It's the way God acts toward us. Without God's mercy, none of us would be here. It's all about God's mercy and grace that we don't deserve. It's all about forgiveness and great relationships have to be built on forgiveness. But I want to remind you what forgiveness isn't. Forgiveness isn't saying, well, it's no big deal. Yeah, it hurt, but who cares? I'm a Christian. No, forgiveness is saying you hurt me deeply. That's the way I feel. I feel really hurt. It's devastating. But I choose to forgive you because Christ commands it, and I don't want bitterness to take root in my life or our relationship. So I choose to forgive. I don't feel like it, but I choose to forgive. Forgiveness is that choice that we make. But also forgiveness isn't trust. And I say this often because it gets so confused. A lot of people struggle with forgiveness because they think if I forgive them, it means I have to trust them again. No, it takes a lot of time to build trust back. You forgive instantly for your own sake. So resentment doesn't poison your soul and affect all your relationships. And so you say, God, I choose to forgive them because I need forgiveness myself and my life. And I choose to forgive them because I don't want resentment to take root. I don't feel like forgiving them, but I choose to forgive them. and then it takes time to build trust back. You don't have to trust them again. You don't have to trust them again until you see trust being built one building block at a time. Two different things completely. Ephesians 4.31 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. You need to know forgiveness is not natural. My natural, Unwise human reaction is to get mad, get even, to hold on to the hurt, to keep remembering the hurt. It's supernatural to choose to forgive, and you need God's power to do it. But the last thing may be the most important. The sixth thing is, if I'm wise, I won't hide my struggles. I'll live in genuine grace. In James 3.17 again, it says, the wisdom that comes from heaven is impartial and sincere. Underline that word sincere because that word in the Greek language is anipokritos, and it means the opposite of a hypocrite. Now the word hypocrite in the Greek, that word hypocrite was a classic Greek theater term. It was used to describe any actor. An actor was called a hypocrite. You see, an actor in classical Greek theater would play five or six different roles, and so they would wear a mask for one role, and then in the next scene they would be wearing another mask to play another role, then another mask, and so. That's why we got our word hypocrite, you know? It means someone who wears masks, who pretends they're something that they're not, you know, who's not genuine and real. See, wise people don't try to pretend like they have it all together. Wise people don't hide their faults, their flaws, their struggles. Wise people are sincere, they're genuine. They're not hypocrites. They're not fake, they're not phony. This one value to build into your relationships, this one value would change them dramatically because there's so much fake in relationships today. People say things, but they mean something else. People hold back and shade the truth. People manipulate. and yeah, There's just so much phoniness in relationships today. And single adults, I want you to know that the Greek word for fake and phony is dating website. Look it up in the original Greek. (laughs) Dating website. This is one of those fake and phony things. All right, everybody's profile is totally exaggerated and fake. A resume as well is another another one. Just fake. I, I mean, I was watching television the other day, and an advertisement came on for a dating website for farmers only. They got one for everybody now. You know, it's like, you gotta be a farmer and you'll find someone perfect. And I I don't know much about that website, that's for sure. Never been on the farmer's dating website, that's for sure. But I know this, three fourths of them probably aren't farmers. I mean, it's like, you know what, I raised a hamster as a kid and that's livestock. You know, I'll try that one, you know. I mean, I'm growing a tomato plant back there tough on farmers this year you know I mean and then you take it a step further and the, the really the fakest place there is is a singles bar I mean where else in America do you offer to buy something for a total stranger I mean can I buy you a drink I mean how dumb is that I mean can you imagine being in Kroger and you come up to someone and go hey good looking can I buy you a box of Cheerios I mean what kind do you like honey nut <laughs> or you're in Target you know it's like can I buy you a toaster Hey, babe, how about a coffee maker? Just dumb. Fake, phony. You know, if you're a single adult, you need to be in our singles group that's so amazing. You need to be, young. we have a young adult group, meets on Sunday nights, amazing. We have our singles groups that do things all throughout the week, it's amazing. And so you need to get connected, connected to something real and following Christ in a real and genuine way, but I'm just saying that when we just admit in you know, our struggles, God begins healing us in a powerful way. I want you to look at this next verse because this is the secret to true success. Proverbs 28, 13 says, a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful, but if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. The only chance we have to build close relationships is to admit the truth of our struggles and sins. The reason why we don't is because of our fear of rejection. If you really know what I'm like, you really know all the ugliness, if you really know all my struggles, you may reject me. So we have this fear of rejection that's hovered over us since the fall. But the worst fear of all is the fear of never being known. And God says, I know you completely. The God of the universe knows everything about you, the good, bad, and the ugly. Can't hide it from God, and he loves you more than anyone else. And he says, just admit it to me. When my daughter, Megan, was five or six years old, Chris was tucking her in bed one night, and Megan said, Mom, I wanna tell you something. And Chris said, well, what is it, honey? And she said, you know that picture that was in my room on the wall? And Chris said, yeah, where is that picture? I haven't seen that in weeks. And Megan said, well, I accidentally broke it and I hid it under my bed. And right away, Chris gave her a big hug and said, Megan, I'm so proud of you for telling the truth. I love you. It's okay. I don't care about that picture. You're worth a lot more than a picture. Gave her a big hug and, and Megan said, I feel so good that I told you the truth because it really bothered me that I didn't. She'd been carrying that for weeks That little girl been carrying it for weeks, and it seems so silly because, I mean, Chris was going to give her a big hug and just say, it's okay, honey. I love you. You're my child. Don't worry about it. You don't have to hide it from me. We all make mistakes. But that's exactly the way I am with God. We all have these broken pictures, these ugly things under the bed broken pictures under the bed, all the mess and the things we don't want anyone to see and we hide it from God, all of our ugliness and God sees it all, it's really silly because God sees everything. You can hide it from everyone else, you can hide it from everyone in your family but you can't hide it from God. God sees it all, he knows it all. But the greatest thing is he loves you more than anyone else and all you have to do is admit it. Take off the mask, admit it, that's all you have to do. And then when you admit it to someone else, you find healing, you find healing. And that's what it's all about. That's what the church family is all about. It's people that don't have it all together, broken, but we look to the one who does, who's making us whole. That's what it's all about. But I have to admit to you that these six things I've just shared with you, I can't do them. And you can't do them. You see, it's a supernatural thing to do these things. It goes against our human wisdom, our natural reactions, and we just can't do it. We need God's power. And that's why this last verse is most important. Psalm one eleven ten says, how can man be wise? The only way to begin is by reverence for God. The word reverence for God means to put God first. Some translations say the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And that fear just means putting God first, that awe of God, that you are in awe of God more than anyone else, that you wanna obey God and follow God, that you put God first in your relationships, because you need God's power. I need God's power, there's no way that I can tell the truth without God's power. There's no way, I'll try to protect myself. There's no way that I'll care about someone else's feelings without God's power, I'll care more about my feelings. There's no way that I can forgive when I'm hurt without God's power, only God's power can do it. So I have to be honest, I'm telling you to do these six things that you can't do in and of your own strength, but God can do them through you. If you'll put God first, you'll put him first in your relationships and you'll ask God for his power. If you've never received him, you can receive him right now. He'll come into your life, this Holy Spirit to give you the power to love. Let's bow together. Dear God, I pray right now for marriages and families and friendships and close relationships and workplaces that you would start healing, Lord, and bring miracles out of the mess. I pray for marriages that right now, they say, Carrie, there's so much rubble, I just, you know, I'm overwhelmed, it's hopeless, that you, Lord, would just breathe hope into that marriage relationship and you give them the strength as only you can to do these six things, day in and day out, one building block at a time. Only you can do that, God. Bring healing to families that are fractured. Bring healing, Lord, to hearts that are broken as only you can. And I pray, Lord, for those who've never received you, that they would say this right now in the silence of this moment. Jesus Christ, I give up. I need you. I need your power. I've made a mess of things, so I give you my mess and ask you to work a miracle. I ask you to save me, forgive me of my sins, come into my life and give me the power to love and help me follow your wisdom and to follow you as my Lord from now on. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, Christ came into your life. It's the greatest decision you could ever make. It's the most, it's the wisest decision you'll ever make And now we're at the point of our service where we give back to God and I I just wanna say that we give because we love God and God promises when we give that he's gonna give back to us more. He says, see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour a blessing on you so great you won't be able to contain it. But our motives for giving aren't that, it's because we love God out of a habit of loving God. And then also we give because we know that God uses it through the ministries and missions of the church to really build the kingdom of God by helping hurting people, by bringing people to Christ, by raising up the poor and powerless, by raising up the next generation. And I want to say to you, as we move into the summer, a lot of people go on vacation in the summer, but don't go on vacation in your giving because what happens in at Willow's Church, like almost all churches and nonprofits, is our ministries go crazy in the summer, doing so much. Our camps, our high school camp, junior high camp, children's camps, our mission trips, our Bible school for children. All these things are just going so strong and so our ministry expenses go way up and then the giving goes down. And so I just really encourage you, don't go on vacation with your giving. Figure out a way to give. And maybe it's through our online giving, maybe it's through our push pay app, maybe it's just mailing in your giving, but be consistent in your giving. The church needs it and God says, I'll bless you for it with that discipline, and by the way, and it's amazing how God's growing in Church and the ministries of this church. We have, um, not this Monday, but the next weekend, we have a 1,000 high school students going to high school camp in Panama City, Florida. I mean, that's, that's just our high school camp alone, and one of the things we've had to do this year that's awesome um, is that we have no longer have a space there where all of our kids can meet, um, we have a great camp where they can stay, with but no place where we can have our services. We rented out high schools and changed the gyms into a church, um, and we outgrew that. And then we rented out the largest church auditorium in Panama City, and we outgrew that last year. And so this year, the only thing we're able to do to get everybody in is we're building an amphitheater on the beach. And so that's the only way. And because a 1,000 high school students, Learning about Jesus. And there's going to be a lot of kids that come to know Jesus, and their eternal destiny will be changed. This generation is going to change the world with God's power. And that's just one of our camps. And, you know, we're committed to raising this next generation and all the mission trips that will be going on, really be praying for them. Get involved in some of them, get involved in our children's ministry, Bible school that's coming up, all these things. But I just say be a part of what God is doing here. Be a part of it. Just be a part of what God is doing and God will bless you and minister to you and pray for God to bless the gifts. Dear God, we do pray for your blessing upon these gifts and we pray that you would help us be consistent all summer long, Lord, for your glory, that you would just, we dedicate this summer of life change to you. We thank you in advance for the thousands of people whose lives will be eternally changed because of the ministries of this church. Provide for them. Lord, we thank you for your guidance. Watch over our students and our children, Lord, all summer and all the activities and events that are taking place and bless. In Jesus' name, amen. Great job, guys. Let's stand for our closing. Hey, Woodlands Worship, our new worship album is out and you can get it on Spotify, Google Music, Album Music, all the platforms and God's using it to Reach hundreds of thousands of people already all around the world listening to it. So I've got a couple of the CDs. They're in the bookstore. Uh, I don't. I can't. I can't throw those far because they'll kill somebody. Here's a couple of T-shirts. Can't throw those far because I'll throw my arm out. And here's a here's a cool hat. Um, hey, tomorrow when you're barbecuing or you're swimming or you're hanging out with your family, just say a prayer of thanks to God for all the men and women who've gave the ultimate sacrifice so we could worship. Freedom is never free and nothing great happens without sacrifice. And we need to pray for all those who are serving now and uh, just praise God. And we love you. God bless you. Have a great Memorial Day. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shuck podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.